welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Excellent. Well, what does it say behind me? Sweet relationships. Uh, Over the last few weeks, we've been doing a series on sweet relationships, and we've been looking at a whole heap of things, and the reason we felt to do a series on sweet relationships is for a number of reasons. One, because it's an important topic any time of the year, but February for us is special because, as I've already mentioned, Kath and I celebrated 20 years of um, being married, which was great. In actual fact, we dated for eight years before that. So for the 43 years of my life, I've been together with this girl for 28 of them. So I've been together for a long, long time. Uh, I think it was about uh, 13 when we first met, which was just very, very sweet. We met at roller skating. And so that's, that's something uh, we used to do back in the day. Uh, apparently, they don't do it anymore. Not much anyway. So uh, never mind. And so we, we thought we'd do a series on relationships. One, because of our wedding anniversary. Um, secondly, because in February, it's Valentine's Day on the 14th. Uh, we also knew that we were going to be having this wedding take place tonight. Also, our church turns 18 years of age on the 27th of February. So February is a very special month for us, and we thought we'd celebrate it with doing a series on relationships. And uh, we've covered such subjects as sweet foundations. Uh, Pete spoke this time last week on sweet resolutions, which was fantastic. And this morning, I spoke on sweet talk, which was a message on careful, clear communication. If you want to have a good relationship, you need to be careful and clear in your communication. And so that brings me to tonight, and I want to speak to you about sweet love. Turn to the person next to you and say, love. Isn't that great? People laughing and talking and smiling in church. Who would have thought? Who would have thought church could be a happy place? I mean, isn't that amazing? So sweet love. And what better portion of scripture to turn to when you're having a wedding wedding than 1 Corinthians (laughs) chapter 13. And that's known as the love chapter. So if you want to learn about love, young single people, if you want to learn about love, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the book for you. Okay? Love. Everyone say love. Excellent. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, reading from verse 1. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. For love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love 
never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. And verse 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Paul is writing a letter to a church and he asks that that letter be passed on to everyone. And some 2,000 years later, I'm passing it on to this church, this message that Paul shared. And basically he highlights three core ingredients to life. He says, life comes down to these three things, faith, hope, and love. But he says, of the three, the greatest of them is love. And the reason is because faith one day will become fact. Do you know that? The faith we have in the unseen will become fact because one day we will see him face to face. So faith will become fact and hope will become have. There is coming a day we will no longer hope in the coming of Christ. We will no longer hope for the day where we see him face to face, but there is a day when we will have that hope. And so hope will pass away and faith will pass away. We won't need hope and we won't need faith, but we will always have love. We will always receive love and we will always give love. A million years from now, we will be loving and receiving love. Love is the greatest because love will never, ever, ever, ever cease. Of course, when Paul talks about this kind of love, he's not talking just about any old love. See, the problem with the word love is that it's lost its meaning. The word love gets thrown around far too often and becomes far too meaningless. You take, for example, the love songs. According to Lyrics Planet, there are 3,419 songs with the the word love in the title. And these songs reflect people's attitudes toward love. Who remembers a song by Robert Palmer called Addicted to Love? I know lots of people that are addicted to love. They're in love with being in love. They love that initial stages of love, the puppy love, the feelings you get when you first meet that person that you just fall in love with and it's wonderful. The trouble is that wears off. And when you're addicted to love, then you look for love in someone else and it's not lasting. And so the word love gets watered down. Joan Jett saying, I love rock and roll. Whatever. And this highlights those that love what they like. It's easier to love what you like. People say they love ice cream. How can you put a love for ice cream at the same level as a love for a woman? I mean, if I love my wife as much as I like, there's something wrong. Our love has to go beyond just what we like. Tina Turner sang a song, what's love got to do with it? And this, I believe, reflects those that have no commitment and just want to sleep around and do whatever they want to do and be whatever they want to be. What's love got to do with it? People these days do not connect love and sex. They sleep around and say, but but don't 
you love the person? What does this have? What's love got to do with it? We've so watered down the word love that it's losing its meaning. The Bee Gees, how deep is your love? Which reflects that love has levels. Turn to the person next to you and say, love has levels. Turn to the other person and say, how deep is your love? Air Supply sang a song, I'm all out of love. I'm so lost without you. Which represents those that just give up on love. There are a lot of people today that have seen the carnage that supposed love causes and so they don't commit and they can no longer love what they say they can no longer love and so they put walls up and and refuse to allow people to get close because they know in letting people get close they get hurt and so they're all out of love. And then there's that song, looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love in too many faces. People go to nightclubs and pubs and clubs and all sorts of things looking for love. And wonder why relationships often end in disaster because often those places aren't the best place to look for love. It's so fantastic that we announced the engagement tonight of a young couple that found love in church. I love that. I think that's fantastic. And then, of course, there is the classic, written and sung by a woman who's just recently passed away, Whitney Houston, who sang that song, The Greatest Love of All. And I believe that this is the kind of love that Paul was talking about in Corinthians. You see, the Bible uses three words for love. One is the Greek word philio, which talks about an emotional love, a friendship-based love. Another one is the word eros, which is a physical, sexual type of love. And then there's a third word for love, and it's the Greek word agape. And this love is a spiritual love. It's a supernatural love. It's a love that only God can give. And the word agape had never been used before until Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 13. See, the love of God seen in Jesus required a new word because the love Jesus displayed had never seen before. It had never been witnessed before. And so it needed another word. And that word Paul uses here is agape. Because God's love transcends all human ideas or expressions of love. When we talk about love and relationships and commitment and marriage and all that goes with that, people often give up, but they're not giving up on God's notion of love. We're giving up on all these watered down versions of love. And tonight I want to highlight God's desire and God's intention and the meaning behind God's love. And then we're going to watch a video testimony of Matt and Deb. And Pete's going to come up here, suit and tie and 
shoes, I'm sure, and officiate in our wedding. But agape is so special because firstly, it's a supernatural love. Agape is supernatural. Agape is God's love. It's not man's love. I always feel for the poor suckers that walk down the aisle to 1 Corinthians 13 and have to have read over them that love is patient. Can you imagine standing there and hearing those words? Boy, love is patient. It's kind. It's not rude. It doesn't envy. I mean, give me a break. No one I know can live up to that. Weddings are meant to be happy days and that it just puts a dampener on everything. Because we know in and of ourselves, we can't muster up that kind of love. But God can. God's love is patient. God's love is kind. God's love never ends. God's love never fails. And for the Christian, you can receive that love. And it can be the very strength that holds a marriage together. It's God's love that every marriage needs. The last thing we need is more people trying. Oh, I've got to try and be more patient. I've got to try and be more patient. I've got to try and be more patient. Oh, I've got to try and be more patient. You know, when you think like that, you become miserable. It's like the person who's trying to quit smoking. Oh, I've got to quit smoking. I've got to quit smoking. Smoking's not good for you. I can't have a cigarette. Smoking's unhealthy. Smoking's unhealthy. Oh, I don't know what... And we drive ourselves to do the very thing we don't want to do. It's much easier to say, God, I can't do this. The love I have is more like the eros, filio kind of love. I can do that. I can do the physical. I can do the emotional. I can got that. But this, this spiritual love, I struggle with that. God, help me. And we invite God in. And also when you invite God in, you can become patient and kind. And when you used to be easily angered, you can find a peace that you never, ever thought possible. This is something you can't buy. This is something you can't manufacture. It's something you can't muster up in your own strength. It's something you receive as a gift from him. Secondly, agape motivates you. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, or chapter 1 verse 3, it says, We continually remember... Before our God and Father, your work produced by faith and your labour prompted by love. See, when you're in love, nothing is too big or nothing is too small. When you genuinely love someone, you'll do those things that are seemingly small and insignificant and, and not very nice. The, 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 the love I see that a mother has for a child never ceases to amaze me that they would do some of the most incredible things at some of the most incredible times. What motivates them? Love. The agape, this supernatural love of God should be our motivating force. Thirdly, it's agape that brings maturity. See, love is not all about you. You know, if you're looking for a partner in life, it's not about you uh, finding a person to make you feel better about you. Love is about us giving. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he kept everything he had. No. It says he loved the world that he gave. 
True love gives. And this, this supernatural love will get us to a place of maturity where we won't make it all about us, but it'll be seen in our giving. It's seen in the mother or father changing the nappy of a son or a daughter. That kind of crazy, ridiculous, smelly kind of love. You know what I mean, parents? When there's been that explosion in the nappy, <laughs> at some ungodly hour in the night, and you've got a peg on your nose, and you're, oh my God, how could so much stuff come out such a little person? Oh, it's moving us on to maturity. Fourthly, agape is what keeps us together. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And I believe the divorce rate would stop overnight if we could just bring a little bit of God's love into our marriages. The love that is patient. The love that is kind. The love that doesn't fly off the handle. The love that stays. I believe we owe it to our kids to bring them up in an environment where they feel safe and secure that mom and dad are going to be home tonight. And my last point tonight is that agape is freely available. The Beatles were right. Money can't buy you love. Not this type of love. Money cannot buy you God's love. God's love comes absolutely free. It's a gift. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't go to church enough to get it. You can't help enough old ladies across the street to earn it. You can't rescue cats from trees to earn it. You can only receive it as a free gift of grace. See, Christianity is not a religion, but it's a relationship. It's a relationship with our Creator. This whole series about sweet relationships starts with our relationship being sweet with our Creator. And the only way it can be sweet is when we humble ourselves and accept this free gift of grace, this love that is patient and kind, this love that is not judgmental. People say, God, it's not fair. Maybe you've prayed that prayer. It's not fair. Here's the thing. You don't want fair. None of us in this room want what we deserve. All of us deserve death. All of us, the Bible says, have sinned and fallen short of the goodness and the glory and the grace of God. If we got what was fair, we wouldn't be sitting here today. God's incredibly gracious, incredibly loving, incredibly forgiving. But that only takes effect in our lives when we receive his love. You know, at Christmas time, when you get all those gifts, they only benefit you if you receive them. 
You may want something for Christmas that somebody bought you and wrapped for you and put it under the tree. But unless you receive that gift, open it and use it, you'll never receive the benefit of that gift. And if you leave it under the tree, you complain, God, why don't I ever get something? Why don't I get something? Where's the thing I asked for? You haven't received it. It's there and it's there free of charge. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.